Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, I have Vance. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm really good. You're really good. Perfect. And I have Todd Young. Hi, Todd Young. Hello, I'm here. Excellent. I'm very good also. Well, I was just about to ask you that. Yeah, doing well. How are you, Andy? Hey, finally, someone gives a crap. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing all right. I got a whole bunch of notes. What's <laughs> fearless leader? I wouldn't say fearless in, or leader in the pod, podcast world. Possibly, some people say that. But yeah. anyways, I got notes scattered everywhere. Try to get through this, uh, the intros, and then we're talking a little bit about mishaps. Continuing on last show. So, this podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Musky Products. Find us at fatazmuskie.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And let's see, the baits. Let's talk about baits. Team Rhino and Muskie Tackle Online have raptors. If you're looking for raptors, that's the place to go probably in for the least next couple months, maybe even after the uh, Musky Max show, um, maybe even extending a little further than that because – in layman's terms, we ain't got none, but they got them. So check them out there. And we are going to talk about our contest here shortly. Probably, eh, I might do it in the middle of the intros. The um, rod holders, though, we have plenty of those. And Vance will have some at the Ohio show. Not a lot, but he'll have some. Isn't that right, Vance? That is correct. Did you help me assemble those rod holders? Yes. How do you think you did on a scale of 1 to 10 assembling rod holders? Mm, six. Okay. I'm not going to grade you. I had a good laugh, though. That's nice. Um, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you do it once. Uh, like You do it every night. You're being very nice, Andy. You told me you did, like, one. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> <I suck>. No. <laughs> Oh, he's there. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You uh, say that. Vance, I, I just said Vance <laughs> helped me out. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't even know how many he did. Probably you too many to really, count. You really enjoy <laughs> setting people up to, to struggle. For mishaps. How about that? For mishaps. <laughs> um, Vance, he won't let me put dates together either. So. I, I I understand. I understand. I, I was going to go pick up this 500 baits or something Look, we assembled. And Andy Andy does it really fast. He's mm-hmm. also been doing that side of the business for mm-hmm. six seven years. Yeah. So he could quadruple from start to finish. He can quadruple what what I do. Essentially, would you think like one to four? It, ratio I, I mean I had a good laugh because it wasn't so much your speed it was the fact that your hands were stuck together with super glue and that I put on like a, a thousand eyes <laughs> <laughs> like, it is hard to do if you're wearing if your hands are all stuck together it's like wearing an oven mitt so that would be very hard to assemble rod holders well yeah well, it's tough those eyes are you know like paper and you got to put super glue down and you know, there's we're, we're talking about extra. assembling swim baits. So Vans came over to help. Yeah. 
I was starting to talk about rod holders, but I kind of forgot about the swim baits until we started talking. And it was to, I, I painted up a bunch of swim baits that will also be, some will be going down to Ohio. And Vance came over to help with assembly on all this. I got them up and running and I went in the house to finish uh, daddy duty and came back out and he made Vance headway. He made headway. Vance was had a beer uh, stuck in one hand. And <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any beer. I didn't have any beer. But he, had a, he had a cream soda in one hand. I had no, no beer. Swimmer stuck in the other thing. Andy, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I well, when he when he came in, I was like, "Damn, I was just about to hit my stride." <laughs> he did too, and, and it was just funny. I mean, I don't think I I put anyone down on on how they progress, but it was you were just like you kind of owned it in a sheepish way, way of less like, man, I was just about to break through this wall. <laughs> Look, I I wanted to – I was trying to get the playoff games on for football. Those were all excellent games this weekend. So they were really – I wanted to, you know, have some background noise. Mm -hmm. And then – So the remote was stuck to your fingers. Well, that was was happening. You know, there's there's steps to these things. Start to finish the swim bait sucks. From the the harness to – the last hook in but i was like trying to do it one at a time like essentially what you have to do with them after they're painted you have to put the eyes on then you have to put the hooks on and i would put one eye on let it set up put the other eye on let it set up then i would put the hooks on and they're all different sizes and stuff like that and uh that that took me a while and then the super glue came into factor that i'm like sticking together and you know that wasn't good for touching other baits and it, well like i said it was the first time you know we, we can put those hooks on real fast and guiding i don't really care where they they go you know as long as they're sticking in the bait you know you replace one we can still use a swimmer whatever i don't care if it's sticking off the side of its head and if it's it's still swimming it's good but when you sell them to the general public they kind of have to line up correctly and look look good you know mm-hmm. um so I'm trying to make them look good, and it's just a uh, just a whole new motor skill uh, of of how to do how to do these things. They're just a little bit harder to hold um, and get the hooks in and things like that. You know, as compared to like when we change one on a rafter, you got a hard bait there, you can really crank down on it, and it doesn't matter if, like what your split rings are doing because it doing because that eye screw is not going to move. Um, so it, I couldn't, I was trying to figure out a way instead of doing completion. I was like, I have to set up like where I just do eyes, 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 then hooks, 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 hooks. Um, and when I was trying to figure that out in my mind, Andy walked in and, uh, made fun of me. Okay. I didn't. First off, I busted in like the Kool-Aid man. So I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't come out right now. He's going to hate to see this. And then you just hear the doorknob turn and, oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, man, he's, he's like, so what can we do here? Uh, 
is you want to go home tonight, right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> that was a polite way of saying, let's only do what we need to do tonight. Oh, yeah, that's really polite. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, it was it was fun. But, like I said, we can do it. We just can't do it as fast as Andy. No, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not dogging. Don't – it is – I just had a good laugh with with you're like I'm about to hit my stride, and then and then you talked about the football. You were trying to download the NFL app or whatever and ESPN uh, or whatever, and I just hop on NFL.com and there's live football, and I just set it in front of us. I'm like, oh, by the way, watch this. I turned on this Bluetooth speaker, and then it's, it had bass and everything, and uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> and we got to watch the Patriots lose, which was great. So, but yeah, that was. Uh... That was a good tough one, tough one mishap for me in the last seventy-two hours or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, where, where the heck were? Where the heck were? We're, so we're going over the baits. We got rod yeah. holders. Don't have a lot of baits. I got a whole bunch of raptors here. They're going to be getting up to Andy, probably about one hundred and eighty to be exact. So he'll be getting those, and some of you will be picking some of those up at uh, the Musky Max Plus. And March 7th and 8th, Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. That is at Princescape Arena. We will be having show colors there. That's kind of what I'm going to be focusing on is doing some show colors uh, with those 180-plus baits that I will be getting here shortly. We will then filter in stock colors. What's that? Would you call them customs or not? Uh Uh-uh. Show colors. show colors. Okay, show colors. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Show colors. Show I, I colors. No, I haven't there's a, wavered. There's, an, there's another wor- word that we found out tonight that Andy doesn't like, aside from custom, but mm-hmm. it's a synonym. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Mishap. Failures. Okay, yeah. Yes. Can't say that. Well, I didn't say you can't say that. I just think for what the show's going to be, I think failure is not the right word. The F word. Okay. I got you. So. Um, yes. Yeah, so at that, at that show at Musky Max, also on, on the bait line on Sunday only, we are going to have the Freddie Mercury Chautauqua special package. That's going to include a, uh, one-time paint job by Andy, Freddie Mercury, um, and the Freddie Mercury color Baker combo Chautauqua special, um, casting and trolling shout out to Baker for sponsoring Muddy Creek and this podcast. Um, shout out to St. Croix Rods for sponsoring Muddy Creek and this podcast. Uh, I know I'm going to be ordering a couple rods here. Todd probably will do one or two maybe uh, coming up here. But we don't really need many because, um, like I said, those musky mojo trolling rods stood the test of time. I really like them. They're kind of a premium price, um, but they lasted uh, through uh, – Tons of hours for us uh, on the uh, in the past couple seasons. So check those out. Um, shout out to Vic Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. Um, they have all your boating needs there. Service uh, up to buying a brand new boat or a used boat. They have tons of used boats in inventory. Uh, they have Ranger boats, they have Starcraft boats, they have Starwell boats, and now they're also carrying Tritons. They'll be having an open house 
on February 27, 28. Uh, stop on out there. They feed you. Um, there's a couple seminars that are going on, um, and you can hop in boats and check them all out. Um, it's a really nice time. <laughs> I don't uh, think those are the right dates, though, Vance. I think I thought they were. If you look at the calendar, we'll have to figure that out. Because that's like a Thursday, Friday. If it's tw- then it would be 28, 29. Because I think, I think it's 29 and, and 1. Okay, well, I suck. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, when, <laughs> when you said that the other day. Damn it. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, 27, 28 is a Thursday, Friday. So I assume it's the 29th of February and and then March 1st. They would freaking let me know these things. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I'll be crucified. <laughs> Oh man! Man, it's not like I ever had a plug failure, huh? Also, there's another uh, (laughs) plug failure, another mishap. (laughs) Man, all they all they're talking about is the six twenty two. I looked on their website and didn't I didn't see anything, but I that if it's that weekend, it's it's going to be the twenty ninth and the first. Yeah, believe some somewhere in there. Are they going to have a six twenty two? Look at five there from uh, where it is. Wait, I was way off. Vic's Sports Center annual open house, February twenty second and twenty third. Okay, Boom. so it's the weekend before. <laughs> Ain't nothing like promoting the wrong weekend. Whoa. Not even the weekend for the last God. month. <laughs> wow, it's all right. Okay, well we got it. We got it. We got it now. Oh, oh was... wow! Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, well, we're not uh, even anyway, we're not done yet here. No, so no. Anyway, check that check that out. Check out Vix. Uh, check out Ranger boats. We love ours. We're using them. Um, we use the Angler series. Um, they'll also be at the Muskie Max again this year, which is cool. Um, and they'll have the Angler series there. And I'm going to hop up in one of their boats and do a little uh, trolling spread seminar there. And uh, that's it for me. Excellent. Muddy Creek. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. Get a hold of us, Vance. I'll be fishing May 30th, opening day through through November. Uh, lots of days already filling in. That first month is, is, is getting pretty full already. We usually do good bit of casting if it's everything's conducive to what normal seasons go so guys that like to cast we try to get them up there early before they start chopping weeds and killing weeds and get nine million people driving around in a weed bed so get a hold of us we'll be up there all summer and uh also you're interested in fishing pa get a hold of me i'm gonna fish a little bit maybe late april early uh early may before Chautauqua gets rolling, I don't. I get a lot of calls, but I, I, you know, I don't. Once, once I go to Chautauqua, I'm done. I don't come back home. Uh, my boat doesn't hardly ever make it back. So, because we're up there and we're fishing, so get a hold of us. We'll do our best to get you out there and get you on some fish. Excellent, Todd. Tell us about Muskie Zinc. Muskie Zinc. Muskie Zinc. This is the time of year to get uh, rejoined up, you know. If you're already a member, make sure you renew your memberships. 
I think they pretty much get all these musky shows that, that are going to be happening throughout the country starting this weekend. Uh, it's, it's a nice place to, uh, sign up and, 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 uh, you know, a lot of times they have little giveaways when you re 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 sign and, uh, just an easy, I always do mine at the show, but, uh, pretty much the cost of a bait nowadays, you can be a member of Muskie's Inc. You get a magazine every other month and, uh, you get access to the lunge log, all the tournaments they put on. I know our local club is getting their dates put together. New York clubs getting their dates put together for the tournaments. They try to get them out early so guys can make, uh, make plans for those weekends. You know, I always used to look forward to that. And, you know, when I was working other jobs and stuff, I always got that schedule and was like, okay, these are the weekends I'm fishing for sure. Uh, just put it on the books right there. We always had a lot of fun doing those tournaments, getting into that annual release tournament can be fun. Also, there's lots of information, muskies Inc. I just think it's really important to be a member. If you're a muskie fisherman, so much good has come out of muskies Inc. They do so much for the local fisheries. The local chapters do uh, lots of different things. You know, your chapters are going to be as as uh, as as as, uh, as prominent as you make it. You know, the more the chapter, the more they have people involved, the uh, the more you're going to get done. So, oh, they're always looking for always looking for members. Always looking for people to take some of the some of the boards and stuff or you know the directors and board presidents members and what board members whatever you know so get involved i think it's just real important it's our sounding block as musky fishermen so it's the only thing we got really <laughs> it is so check them out and and our live read oxit is a group chat room app optimized for communities that share a common interest and who buy and sell specialized items related to those interests. Imagine if you could combine the things you love about connecting on Facebook groups and the peer-to-peer selling features of eBay in one app. Well, that's Oxit. Oxit is the best platform for passion-based communities that want to both interact and transact online. The community, the Muskie Exchange, will be the best mobile app to connect you with other Muskie fanatics to just to discuss all things musky <clears throat> and have access to various limited release uh, musky tackle. Oxic will have great promos, giveaways, special deals, and products on all the leading musky tackle makers as a thank you to this new community forming. Oxit is in its beta pre-launch phase, which means you can help shape and build the app with your feedback and make the musky exchange exactly what you want it to be. Oxit can be downloaded from the Apple or Android app stores. Please find and join the Muskie Exchange after you create your profile. You can find out more information at www.oxit.com. That is A-U-X-X-I-T. All right, just like the live read says, this is new. It is forming. Join up. It's free. Download the app, and you can get on there and help shape how this app how the community, more or less, I should say, is going to be run and formed. I saw some giveaways recently. Uh, it's just a really neat thing. It's on an app. I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, it's new, so give it a fair shake and tell them you heard it on the Fat AZ Muskie podcast. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Last week, we ran 
a giveaway. But in order to get this giveaway, you had to guess the weight of all the baits that were shipped to TRO. It was a 250 bait order, and I didn't break down how many sixes, how many eights, how many eight-inch soft tails, and how many tens there were. But before I give away the weight, we do have a winner. I have not reached out yet, but Vance, you want to do that right now? Oh, man. I mean, there was a lot. I forgot. It was, it was on Instagram. It was on Instagram. Okay, I got it. Um, yeah, the winner came This guy on... was re- remar- remarkably close. Yes. Uh, the beginning uh, name is uh, T. If you want to look Getting that right. up right here. Uh, the guest uh, happened on Monday. Six... Yeah, uh, it was... The the guest came from T underscore. Selvin. I didn't want to. <laughs> I was gonna not keep it a secret, but okay. Well, all right, we didn't agree to that, but exactly. Just, Anyways, uh, okay. Well, another blunder. This is just all great. Uh, he came in with a guest of sixty six point two seven pounds for the TRO. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna reset the the stage on this one, so people who didn't catch last show. The the contest was for the weight of the baits in their package. And their package included one rubber band to hold the hooks on most of the baits. Some baits don't get rubber bands. And a plastic sleeve. And this was just a debacle from the get-go. Just, just because I thought I had a box that was big enough to ship these baits. And... I had my postage scale here that I, I used to print out postage. And I weighed a tote, these little totes. Todd, you, you probably know these totes because you gave them to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I use these a lot for baits. I don't know. They, they might be uh, 16 inches by a foot, maybe four inches deep. And I'd put all these baits in there as they got completed. And I would, I weighed the tote empty, wrote that down. And then I wrote down every weight from there on out, and I put it on a line. And then at the end of doing all this, I then subtracted how many times I weighed baits at the weight of the box to, to take away the uh, the tote, I should say. The, the problem is, is that the box got full way sooner than I thought. So then I found another box, and I put all the baits in that box but then i said oh crap i didn't i didn't weigh some of these baits at least i thought i didn't weigh some of the baits so then i went and reweighed them again and then the box got i don't know two-thirds of the way full and i'm like okay i know how much this weighs i know how much the big box weighed and i really wasn't thinking too much on overall weight for shipping so i just hopped on the uh, United States Postal Service website and see what the maximum weight you could ship with Priority Mail. The maximum weight you can ship on Priority Mail was 70 pounds. They would not accept it over 70. Well, after I did all my addition, I was up like 72 pounds. And I'm looking at this box and I'm like, well, I know the box weighed like four point something pounds because I weighed the box empty. 
well, there's some room here. So I took out the knife and I started cutting the box down. I made the box as small as I could. I was shaving weight like I was a drag racer. <laughs> I got it down to where, because then I started weighing the shavings because I couldn't just, this box was huge. I couldn't just put it on this postage scale. On that little scale, yeah. That yeah. little scale goes up to 50 pounds. Well, I already know mm-hmm. that I'm flirting with the 70 pound mark. So I started cutting off like, so the the box is, let's just say two thirds filled. So I took a knife and I went down each corner down to where the the baits were about. And I folded those those ears each side up as like the top of the box. And I said, well, okay, I can cut this much off here. And I started cutting as much as I could, leaving like a half inch overlap for tape. And so I don't lose them. Mm -hmm. And then I started weighing each flap. Well, I got it down to where after I, after I have like 12 weights here, adding and subtracting all this stuff, I was at 70.3 pounds with everything in one box. And I said, well, it clearly states 70 pounds max, not 70.3 pounds max. So what I had to do was I knew that I could ship up to 13 ounces in a any kind of a package uh, under first class, the, the uh, first class, I don't know, delivery system that they have. So I took out one of our bubble mailers. And I pulled a 10-inch Raptor, and I pulled an 8-inch Raptor out of the box. I weighed it, and it was like 12 ounces or something. So I said, well, that 0.3 pounds, I should have it covered. But I don't have a scale to check, so I just winged it. I hoped my math was correct. So then, now I have two packages going to Team Rhino. One with 248 baits, and one with two baits. (laughs) And the box won't fit in in the mailbox so i have to walk into the post office the in the town that i work the post office is very busy when i get out of work that i could take it down so i opted to go to the next town over which is not too far from my house because it's never busy so i'm struggling with you know i have this one package in my mouth and the other one i'm holding which is enormous and heavy getting it out of the truck. No one can seem to grab a door for me. And I make it in there. And of course there's three people in front of me. And (laughs) there's like a guy that's shipping a bunch of stuff internationally and they have to manually fill in these custom forms at the register. So I had to wait like 15 minutes for this guy to ship whatever. And then a whole bunch of BS stuff. And then I pick it up and I asked, I said, I said, I need this weighed. It's already postage paid. I just need it weighed. And I'm just like, God, it, it, this could be an epic, just just terrible disaster because it's already been that way. If I'm right at... Anyways, they put it on the scale and I was 69 pounds, 11 ounces after I removed oh, those wow. two baits. So wow. I already let Jeff know that it's coming in two packages because of that. But the craziness is... All those baits, if there would have just been one bait not there or an extra six instead of a 10, it would have snuck right at the 70 mark. Yeah. So anyways, that was the story of shipping these baits. But as Vance said, and we did not discuss earlier, I didn't want to... Anyway, it's not that big of a deal. 
the actual weight of the baits with how I weighed them came in at 67.21 pounds. And what was the winner's weight again, Vance? I think it was 66.28. Yes, he was within a pound of the weight. Wow. Which I thought was a pretty good guess considering. I mean, we had coming into rounding out the weekend. I I don't know if I could have got closer, and I know exactly what they weigh, and I knew what the order was pretty much because that's like – an ounce here, an ounce there. How much <laughs> do those really little close. those little sleeved bags weigh? How much do yeah, two hundred and fifty rubber bands? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a great. It's really close. I can't believe that it was within a pound. But the crazy thing was that within, I'd say, three to five pound range, there were several guesses there, to where well, I was starting to sweat. Like, oh crap, did we say something about? You know, it's the price is right and you can't go over. I don't think we did. And, you know, I was debating whether I should re-listen, but he snuck in at under a pound and he uh, he oh. ended up winning it. So That's great. That's great. So what we're going to... did he win? Um, it's up to him if he wants a used T-shirt of mine or a Raptor. Because <laughs> we had some people calling out exactly what they wanted. Like, they would guess the weight and they would say, the Belichick. so i mean i'm not gonna force anything upon him like that but um (laughs) we're gonna be reaching out to him but i mean we had some we had some guesses that uh that were on the extreme ends of light and extreme ends of heavy but they were still fun and it was a fun little contest so absolutely that was the contest wrap up and we will be reaching out to him here the uh, guessing is over. All right. Vance, do you want to start off the mishap show? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go table and around. We'll do top three mishaps of the decade for uh, us personally in the outdoors. And so I guess I have the floor. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm, I'm going to go the hunting route here for, for number three. And um, look back, I would say this is two years ago. And if you listen to the show, you know my experience hunting. I am uh, I'm at a outsider uh, for hunting. And um, you're after uh, X amount of size buck, you know. You, you hunt these farms. 130 farms, 140 farms, 150 and, and by farms. farms. These are all minimums. Th- yeah, they, by yeah. farms, they call them farms. These are leases. These are not high fence operations. They just call Correct. them farms. I just want to clear that yeah. up. Well done. Um, so I shoot a buck and uh, I tag out. So I'm happy about it. And uh, I have like three days left. And Andy and I tried to. Uh, Andy and I tri- Andy and I drove down together and I was like uh well I I want to go home now. I'm you know, I'm done. I don't want to sit here for 3 days. And I had left my credit card at home just in case for any emergencies, things like that. Um with my uh then girlfriend now wife and I couldn't rent a car. 
And we tried to do that like 3000 times, but I ended up staying, uh, for, for the duration at camp. of the hunt. Yeah. At camp. And, uh, so what can I do? Can I sit there and twiddle my thumbs? Um, sit there and watch people gut deer and smoke cigarettes or could I go out and hunt for dough? Oh and, yeah. And, uh, no, there is a, uh, a waiver you sign when you go to this, this outfitter and there is a fine, uh, per inch. If you shoot under, can you elaborate on that? Just a pinch. And okay. So when, when you arrive at, at, at camp, they have you go over like a release form and all this other stuff and, and just paperwork. And in this paperwork, uh, you're signing an understanding that, uh, at these various leases, they have, like I've already explained a requirement on antler size and it's to preserve the hunting future. Uh, they just can't have everyone come in there and shoot the first buck they see. They are trying to cultivate, you know, bigger deer. And they have it, it's changed over the years, but it was something like a penalty of $200 an inch for every inch under the minimum up to a $1,000 penalty. They also had a clause in there about shooting button bucks, which are young of the year male deers that have little baby antlers, sometimes referred to as buttons. They look like little acorns on their head. Sometimes. Sometimes they poke out. Sometimes they're not so visible. Mm. And Okay, yeah. So let's let's go go for it right there. Do you know do you remember what the penalty for that was? It was like a thousand or fifteen hundred or something. Okay. All right. Well I you know, I just signed the papers. I didn't I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read. <clears throat> I can vouch for that. You know as Vance got people... it, he opened it to the back, signed, and then's like I'm done. <laughs> well that's you know, I, uh, I'm a speed reader. Um, like that one John Travolta movie. It was called Michael. Um, anyway, that's embarrassing. I know that. But so I'm bored. I want to go hunting. I want to shoot a doe. I haven't yet. I'm going to go shoot a doe. I'm sitting in a tree stand. Uh, it's super tall. It's a single tree stand. Uh, it's like maybe 30 feet up there. And there's you know, cliffs and ravines on the other side of it. Well, these deer, a family of three start walking up and your heart starts like, pounding. Okay, this is, this is it. This is, this is going to be easy, right? I'm going to shoot this thing. Uh, all three of them are dope. Take your pick. Well, so there's two that stand, stand off and are kind of like looking around and all, uh, nervous this other one just kind of says screw it i'm gonna go eat this corn here because it's legal to to uh hunt over corn down there and that's what this outfit is doing and i'm looking at it and i'm looking at it through the scope i didn't have any binos at the time um and i'm looking at it through the scope and i'm like i swear that's a doe i can't see anything i swear it's a doe i think it's a doe i have like 15 seconds with it it's and another thing about these corn pals, there are cameras in front of the corn pals. 
this deer is eating at the corn pile. And I'm like, yep, that's a doe. Maybe. And I shoot. (laughs) (laughs) And I shoot. And I'm just like, oh, shit. (laughs) And I'm like, it's running. It's running off. I think I hit it. Well, was there anything different when it was running off? Like, like underneath it, his balls are swinging. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? What the hell's hanging out of his? <laughs> what is that on her? How did she get? She's a. <laughs> There's boobs down there, but um... just two huge boobs hanging out. What the world? Shot an odd dough. That was okay. so quick on right, Todd's so... part. <laughs> All right, wait. All right, so it gets better. I <laughs> I get out of the tree stand and I'm like <laughs> I step into this corn pile and I'm looking for a bud trail and I can't find it anywhere. And I'm just like looking aimlessly. And this camera's probably just like ka-ching, 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 taking pictures of me. <laughs> and this deer I just shot. And then I finally see, I call, I called Andy. And I was like, hey, I shot. Like, I can't, I, I can't find any blood. And he's like, what, did, what do you see? I was like, poop. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, that deer probably ran off. Was it a doe? I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. I think so. <laughs> and I start he's like we'll try and track it go and, go and look for things that usually run downhill blah 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 so I go he has no idea what this lease looks like nobody does at this point so I start going downhill and I see a little bit of blood but then I, I lose it completely and I start picking up on the tracks that the other deer uh, had, had ran off to and I'm, I walked miles so many miles to try and track this thing, um, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't find anything. I was. I was looking for ruffled, uh, fallen leaves. That's what I was judging my, uh, you know, how, how I was uh, tra- trailing this deer. And in this, at this point, I, you know, I'm kind of panicky at this point. Um, I don't know where it is. I call Todd. Todd tells me like all the, you know, we're, we're talking. I don't know if you remember that a little bit. Yeah. I'm in Pennsylvania though. Yeah. Right. And, and I was so, in Ohio. That's the funny thing. I was in Ohio when you called me. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. And I was in Kentucky. And, um, so it's getting night and I call Andy back and I, I can't find the thing. And I'm just like, I don't know where it is, dude. They're going to be pissed if I shot a deer. What should I say? All these things are going through your mind. Like, do you tell them? Do you not tell them? I want to be honest and tell them. I also want to find a deer still. And I'm like walking back to the stand. And I stumble upon the deer. It ran like 50 yards. <laughs> it ran 50 yards and I walked miles to try and find this thing. And there was no blood pile because I shot it dead nuts in the guts. <laughs> and just like <laughs> obliterated the thing. Like it was a perfect gut job. The thing ran into the tree and everything fell out. 
Oh gosh. Every everything fell out. I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, this this thing was in an archery range and I shot the damn thing in the middle of its stomach. (laughs) It was a slam dunk. But I mean, but this was you know, you could have shot it in the I I could have shot it in the neck, I could have shot it wherever, in the front shoulder. I know this now. That I was so shook about this deer because I wanted it to be a doe. And there's a lot of stuff that happens that, that, that hunters know, fishermen know, that, that happen in the heat of the moment where you kind of freeze at points. I'm very green when it comes to hunting at the, that point. I still am a green hunter. I, I always talk about that. You know, I shoot deer, whatever. Um, and... I'm looking at this thing and the first, and I'm on the phone with Andy and I go up and I rub it. I'm like, Oh, there's the deer. I was like, I shot it right in the guts. And I was real disappointed about that. And I, and Andy was like, well, check his head. I checked his head. There was nubs. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) I shot a button buck. I'm screwed. And at this point, since I just blew through that waiver, I'm thinking it's like, I'm on a one thirty farm. I shot something with nothing. I'm gonna owe two hundred dollars <laughs> times one thirty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm screwed. That twenty six thousand dollars. I'm like, how many more bullets do I have? I am screwed right now. <laughs> I just need one. I'm gonna turn yeah. this on myself. Yeah, I was like, oh no. And and, and, the, and the funniest thing was like, Andy was like, well. Sometimes they're like hermaphrodites or something. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say hermaphrodites. <laughs> I, there just was, it made the news like an antler doe. And I'm just like, man, how sweet would it be if it was just an antler doe? He's a button buck. You have a one in 10,000 chance here. I was like, all right. Here we go. I reach I reach around the giant gut pile and I open up the legs and there's and Vance is I quote I I quote Vance and Vance goes, Yep, there's balls. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a package. Now at this point Vance is probably thinking, This is incredible. Not only did I shoot a doe with buttons, mm-hmm. it also has balls. Yeah, I mean, there you go. How can you do this? You know, oh, it's unbelievable. I got extremely rare deer at this point. Yeah, this doe had this doe had had an antler and balls. I was I was shook out. Andy was it was a glass light out or something, and I was just like, I got a call. And, and say something to the owner of the company. And I called him. I was like, hey, man, I shot a button buck. I'm just going to come out and say it. And he's like, oh, damn. Well, damn. That's, uh, damn. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, dude, I am so sorry. Like, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll pay a fine. Like, I mean, they had they had me dead to rights. I was in there. The deer was in front of the camera. I shot it, and then <laughs> I went looking. Then I was in front of the camera, like, "Hey, here's me. I shot a doe." 
but he was really cool about it because I came out and, and, and was honest with him and, and admitted my mishap. Um, and, uh, you know, late, we, we got the meat off the deer. That was the, the night when the coyotes were, you know, 10 feet from us. And this insane guide thing was like making these noises at them. It was a, uh, an all around mishap in hell for me. Um, because of those things. Um, and you know, it's certainly, uh, I didn't learn from it. I can tell you that because <laughs> I think following two years, <laughs> I shot more button bucks until this year. So, um, you know, you always, you, you always can say your mishaps turn into learning experience. Mine, uh, took was a stepping stone. 20, it was a yeah, gateway. Like, Mine took about 24 months after that, but uh, after that, I bought some some binoculars, and it taught me uh, to. I look through the binoculars now when I see when I see deer because of that reason. Um, especially when I'm when I'm doe hunting now, like this. I, obviously, Andy sat in the, in the stand with me, but I, I glass like every deer. Um, and just practicing it in the woods, it's a lot easier looking out of two eyes than one. I thought that I could get by with it with just the scope. Um, and a lot of people can, but when some, when I'm like that green and I have that bad of a track record, uh, I needed all the help that I could get. So I bought a pair of, uh, binos and it's, it's helped me out, but, um, yeah, that's definitely top three. And I mean, I was just, I was shook. I thought I was like, all right, well, how am I going to explain to my family this? <laughs> I, you know, I think I'd take a, a, a three-year loan. Yeah, a three-year loan. We're not paying it. the mortgage, and I'm bringing home 20 <laughs> yeah. pounds of meat. <laughs> this is going to be the best-tasting deer the, ever. This is all the food we have for three years now. <laughs> Most rations. But, yeah, so that, that's number three. It's Todd, Who's you want to go? Yeah, I'll go with one. So the, yeah, this was just a, a a mishap that happened to me. It was I, I don't I don't know the year. I'm gonna guess maybe 14, 15. Uh, and really, it was sort of an uncontrollable thing. But at this point, the Lund is already like 13 years old, 14 years old, and I'm I'm in the you know, I, I was thinking it's, it's probably getting time. I have a lot of hours on these motors and everything's running great right now. You know, I can get top dollar out of this boat. It looks great. It's done me well, but you know, it also been paid for for 10 years and it's hard as a guide to go spend a bunch of money uh, when you're doing it in something it's paid for. But uh, yeah, it was about mid, it was in, it was in August. I know uh, just, Normal morning, everything ran good, fired up the motor, heading down the lake. I get maybe three or four miles from the launch. And uh, now Andy has probably had this happen. I don't know. I've never, I'd never been in something that like where an engine blew up. Uh, I so, have. Yes. Yeah, I, I figured you had. Boats, you know, running old dirt bikes, four wheelers. Yeah. Yes. It's a common thing to guys that I'm not a motor guy. I didn't have those toys when I was a kid. All I had was a boat and a boat motor. I mean, I never had tractors or I never motorcycles, quads, anything. 
So, but I mean, I always figured I'd know when that something happened. And I did have this happen a long time ago. I, you know, there was one other time and, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty obvious when that happens, you know, when you're just running at full speed and you're kling, 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 and there's like grinding and everything shuts down. You're like, yeah, that's not the spark plug or, you know, yeah. Uh, the fuel pump didn't just go. Yeah, go pump the primer so, bulb and see if it's firm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that happened to me once. Uh, what happened to me in my other boat, both of them were boats. Uh, but yeah, running down the lake and uh, make it just a couple of miles away. And it happened on me, on me Lund, 125, blew out a cylinder and, uh, you know, Ended up, it worked out okay. That was my last day before I was coming home. I, yeah, it was in August because I was off. I always take some time off in August right before my daughter was back to school just to be a dad and not be, you know, have her running, staying other places. And uh, so I had a few days and uh, it worked out fine. I got the boat, uh, you know, I got, we fished the rest of the day. I ran on the 9-9 and, uh, Got it over, got it rebuilt, got it back out on the water. Didn't have to call off any trips. You know, I was only down three or four days. There's a place around here that rebuilds them. But it was definitely a mishap for me, you know, because I ended up dropping four grand into a uh, 12 or 14-year-old motor. I can't remember how old it was. But uh, ended up dropping that money in. And then at that point, it was like, well, I'm not going to get something new right now. I just spent four grand. I'm going to keep it a few more years. So, yeah, and and yeah, that's, that's that kind of comes down to and 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 just about any motorized vehicle is people say one more year. I'm going to get one mm-hmm. more year out of this, and mm-hmm. and in this case, this one came back to bite you. Yeah, because if you yeah. would have got rid of it that spring, it was probably a fifteen thousand dollar rig at that point. And once the motor blows, it without it fixed mm-hmm. what's the boat worth then you're not going to get six or seven grand out no. of it because someone's going to repower no. it yeah and yep. and then when you put the new power head on i mean there were times like when you would like start the season i'm like man i hope his lower unit doesn't pop then you'll be yeah. on another fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> you know it yeah. just it turns yeah. into a, a yeah you try to get rid of them you mm-hmm. know when they get that age unless you're just like i'm keeping this no matter what you try to like mm-hmm. time it like, well, everything's good. Could I get another season? I don't know. What's weigh the pros and cons on this? And it's tough. And 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 some people do it with vehicles. You know, they, they get a thing. They they, you know, they like saying, "I got two hundred and ninety thousand miles on this Chevy Silverado or whatever." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some people like that. You know, I've never been that way with vehicles. It was always like when I start getting. Even it's paid for when I start, okay, something's wrong. You take it in, you got to get it fixed. You know, I, I give, I give a vehicle one or two shots and it's like, okay, I'm done. Cause if I don't have a vehicle and, and guiding turns into that too. Now, you know, I wasn't thinking of it that way or I was thinking of it that way, but it's like, man, spend all the money. I mean, it's the boat. Everything's running great. I've had no problems. I'm just, I put oil, you know, I check everything. I'm very adamant about you know, the, the oil and, the, you know, making sure it's mixing and da, da, da. But, uh, yeah, so that was a mishap for me. I remember, I think you text, I texted you like, how, how's it going? 
and you were like, fire. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's yeah. good. It's like good fishing, or are you okay? You're like, bad, big motor. Yeah. Like, oh, God. He's uh, not good. That, that big motor, I was going to say, is like bulletproof because that one day, looking back when we, we did all that, uh, like the thermostat and the water pump and all mm-hmm. that stuff, we had the hood off and you started it and water squirting out of the spark plug hole from, yeah. from running on the hose. And, you know, we had to replace the head gasket, but yeah. based on the calcium deposit on like the drain area, it had been squirting out of that spark plug hole for an extremely long time for a while. Yeah. Spraying the electronics and all this and that. And I'm like, wow, oh, that's pretty cool. Then I think it was like the following year you it had, had the- a green, it had, there was a green, to the inside of that motor's block, that mercury, and it had a green algae, like uh, like a stain. stain. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And then, like the following year, since it missed its missed its water spout, um, your voltage regulator caught on fire under the hood. <laughs> that did do that. That was the the, the day okay. I was checking out the weeds. Right before the season. That was the fire one. Okay, that was a fire one. That was a fire one. And it was the day before the opener at like 2 o'clock. And all I was doing was looking around checking the weeds. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, it, I mean, it was a great motor. That, that, but that, those, those, that, that fire thing. and Yeah, and, and, and it was ran for a long time. I mean, you put. Yeah. You put, that must have been 15. 15 yes. Eight. So you have, you know, say the boat was 14, 14. years old. It was, old. Four, it was a 14, 14, because I, re- I got it fixed, 15, 16, yeah, 14 or 15, because I went when, when the motor blew, because I knew I ran it like two and a half seasons before we mm-hmm. got the Rangers, which were 18. Mm-hmm. Wild. That thing lasted a long time, though, and it was random. Yeah. Ran How hard. many hours do you think? You put you put I have on no that idea, big but the, you know that motor. I you know I probably just had a lot of that big motor because I when I would go to Canada, lots of times I did not use the kicker. I would troll with that thing. I I spent a lot of hours trolling with that big motor, along with the running. You know, two thousand two till two thousand and you know fourteen, twelve years. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of hours. Do you remember offhand? I remember that you had you would buy gallons of oil mm-hmm. for your auto, you know, the auto injector. How many gallons yeah. of oil would you start off the year with? I would buy two. They came in a case of four, where I was getting them, and I would buy two cases. So I was running eight gallons, and usually I had to buy oil. I usually have to. Usually I had to buy another gallon to get to the season. So I was running like eight gallons of oil through it. Eight gallons of oil, and we're gonna. That's a variable rate mixer. So uh-huh. at idle, it's it's not at wide open. You could say it's fifty to one mixture. At idle, uh-huh. it could be up to two hundred to one. So let's just go uh-huh. with fifty to one. Fifty uh-huh. times nine is four hundred and fifty gallons of gas you put through that. That's on the uh-huh. low side if you're going through yeah. that much oil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of. That's like it's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours. A lot of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably were well north of 450, but it's still, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Mishap. 
mishap. It's cost me a bunch of money. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to throw mine back to the, the same trip to Kentucky that Vance did. Um, that his, his was, um, it was opening day of rifle and well, Vance, you went to one stand, which wasn't the stand you were supposed to be in. And I, I, okay. So we, 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 okay. Some hillbilly hillbilly in Kentucky stand hung a little, two boards on a tree. Little, little lock on up there. Big 30 mile an hour winds. I was swaying four and four feet in each direction saying, so I'm going to throw it back to that, that waiver that you have to sign in the beginning. And they, they have some questionnaires in there saying, how far are you willing to walk to a stand? And I always put, you know, I, I'll do anything if you guys think it'll increase my chances. Well, when I got there, the guide's like, how far do you want to walk? And I'm like, I don't care. Just tell me where to go. And he's like, well, it's going to be a far walk. I'm like, all right. And I, I'm like, all right, just point, point me in the direction. And when I walk into the woods, Vance can, can vouch for this. I run like the daintiest little flashlight ever. Do you know, you know which one I'm talking about, Vance? Absolutely. I always run one right behind you. (laughs) So, I mean, a candle puts off more light. I just, for whatever reason, I think I'm more stealthy doing that. Um, In hindsight, it probably means nothing. But so I start walking and I'm like, oh, this ain't so bad because we're down in like a valley. And then it starts climbing up this mountain and it keeps going and going and going. And I wasn't prepared for what I was about to do, Uh, meaning it was below freezing that morning. So I dressed appropriately to sit all day long in those conditions. I didn't really think about shedding any layers. I'm just, I'm tough enough. You can't tell me I'm going to get to this stand and, you know, be He-Man. And it's these nasty switchbacks. And I, I had to stop a couple times, which I don't normally do. But I was like, I need a break. And I stop it and I'm looking around and I'm just like, how, th- this is a four-wheeler trail of sorts. How can they make it up a grade like this? with these switchbacks and not tip over and not roll down the hill and not have something happen. <laughs> this is like mountain goat country. And I, I'm just like, if they stop, they're screwed. They just, they, they would have either, you're either making it all the way up or you're rolling down. And so I get up to this top of this mountain and I'm like, okay, I'm up here. And I'm looking with my little flashlight and I'm like, yeah, this looks like a pretty decent spot. I see some brush up here. I don't know what kind of deer live up here. I mean, maybe eagles and stuff like that. Cause, <laughs> cause it just, it seemed like I was in the clouds. I, it was pitch blackout <laughs> and I'm walking along, walking along and my little flashlight, they tack the, they, they tack the trails to the stands, but my, this is important. My flashlight's not very powerful and I'm walking along and I'm like, okay, the stands got to be here somewhere. And I, Something catches my eye, and in front of me, I I see this rusty swing. I don't know what this rusty swing is doing, literally in the middle of nowhere. It's, and my my attention went to there, and my my mind drifted, thinking about the horror movie. Horror movies jump in, but I try not to when I'm walking into unknown ground that 
could be known for banjo playing music and stuff. So <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm like, first off, who would bring a swing up here? Second off, how would anyone get up here and be like, yeah, this is a great place for a swing. For a swing. <laughs> and why would you walk all the way up here just to sit in this swing? And second off, if you had a swing that was nice, why would you haul it all the way out here? And, I, and my mind's just going, and I just keep walking. And I start noticing, I'm like, there's no more tax. I'm not following these reflective tax anymore, but my light isn't all that good. So I just keep walking. I'm like, I can follow instructions, just keep walking. I keep walking, walking, walking. It's starting to get daylight out. I should have been in the stand a while ago, and I start like, oh, there's a four-wheeler trail that goes this way. So I start going down. Like, nah, this ain't it. I backtrack, and I start climbing, and I end up getting to the very tippy-toppest, most top point of this mountain. And at, by this time, I'm completely soaked. I am just drenched. You peaked it. I, I, I was up there, and I had to look around because I was starting to get – it was not light enough now that my light – I don't need a light to, to move. And I'm like, I'm just going to find a rock and sit down on here, and maybe I'll find the stand later, but I need a break. I'm at the very top. I'm like, if I'm at the top, I can see everything. Well, I'm wrong. And I can't see everything because I'm on top of all of these billion oak trees that all have their leaves, and I can't see nothing. I'm at the top, and I just start stripping down my clothes. And everything weighs like five pounds more because it's completely saturated in my sweat. And it was it was awful. I, I start calling the guide, and the guide's like, well, I didn't set that stand. I don't really know where it's at. So then I have to contact another guy who's not a man of many words. But I felt that there were some key words he could have said that would have got me back on track because I had a couple phone calls with him. But I'm like down in T-shirts and long johns up here just trying to cool off. And I finally get to a point where I'm like, well, it's not going to get any better than this. Trying to find this stand. And I start walking down and the guide calls me again. And he's like, hey, did you find it yet? I said, no, I'm coming up on this this rusty swing. Like, I'm now coming down the hill again uh, right before the really nasty part. And he goes, oh, yeah, that stands right by that swing. If you're at the swing, you passed it. Why didn't you tell me this an hour ago? <laughs> yeah. And so, anyways, I was I was not in a good state of mind. And it cost me a shot early on, but, you know... It ended up paying off two hours later. I was frozen in the stand, and you know I shot my biggest buck to date out of there. But and and this stories like this is why early on when you guys made that little joke about me saying failures, I can't consider that a failure because I ended up it ended up succeeding. But it was just a better word choice of mishap. And certainly a mishap. Anyways, sure. it, it just was out of all of that. that I remember that rusty swing. You can see it while you're in the stand. It was like five, ten yards away from you, back to your back into the left at like mm -hmm. seven o'clock. And the thing back is, is into the left exactly. And had I had a more powerful flashlight, the occasional I do this now, the occasional 
pick the light up on your trail to find the next tack or two would have led me to the giant reflective rope that's hanging off of it. But oh, I just didn't do that because I was Captain Sneaky. And it ended up being to where I was completely soaked. And then I had to ride down that hill after, with, with my buck in the back, down that mountain with the switchbacks in the bed of that, riding my deer like it was a sled. Because mm-hmm. it was like a Polaris Ranger or something they had. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that was mine. My mishap of not knowing how to dress, not knowing. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I had no idea. But I ended up, when I was on the peak of that mountain, I dropped a, a pin um, on my phone. And then when I was in the stand, I dropped a pin and I kind of retraced where some of this stuff was. And I walked for an additional two hours over three and a half miles up this mountain. But I got it done. Oh, gosh. And I lost, hell of a hike. I lost probably 15 pounds of water. <laughs> Worked out. You got your biggest deer. I did. Good. All right. This is a little bit difficult uh, to, to pin mishaps, not because, you know, not because of, you know, you either win or you learn scenario. It's because I have so many of them. You're either yeah, first I, or I have, last. I have like two note cards here, Phil. Y- yeah. I mean, there, there, the there, there's, so, there's so many. Of them. I can, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to go to something that happened this past year and I, it just almost painful for me. Um, very, very painful. And, uh, that's why I'm going to call it a, uh, a mishap physically painful. So we're fishing. I have a charter out and everything's good. We're catching fish. We're trolling. Um, and the bite is really, really good. We're, we're working our way up to, uh, to double digits on the day. And, um, reeling in a fit, a rod goes off, whatever I'm st- I start to clear him. These other guys are fishermen. I kind of trust them with, with the gear and stuff like that. Um, and we, we clear all the rods. We net the fish. And the way I cleared, this was, a, was using a bit of long line at the time. And uh, a couple of the cleared rods were still on the back casting deck. So you have them laying down at a 45-degree angle. Um, but you know, when you're clearing rods, sometimes you reel them all the way up to the leader and you just get them right into the boat, or sometimes you just keep them in the, in the rod holder. Um, well, I cleared these ones just because of the way that things were happening on the boat, uh, that day. So there's got a, a net, a, a fish in the net and some rods all over the place. And some other rods uh, still out in the water moving. And I particularly had had the down rod still out at its normal length. I didn't clear the other side's down rod. That was the only one that was left. We were fighting. The kid was fighting the fish on the one on the uh, starboard side of the the boat very well. So, but this port side down rod starts going off, and I'm like, "Go ahead, get it. There's another fish on there. Get it. Grab it." And the kid's having trouble getting it out of um, the rod holder. And I'm moving really slow at this time. And this fish probably doesn't know it's hooked. And a good way to make sure that fish is hooked, when you get kind of like a double header situation like that, where it's not, it's kind of a double header 
Um, you know, they're not zinging at the same time, but that fish was on there. You just didn't know. And I'm moving at a slow speed, probably like, you know, 0.5 miles an hour. A good way to hook that fish is to get that rod, grab it, thumb it, and set the hook, uh, kind of like you're casting, and then fight it. Well, when I knew, uh, you know, none of that was going to happen uh, with, with the client, uh, I took it under my own power to say, okay, I'm going to get that, to hold this net, I'm going to go get that rod, grab it for you, you're going to reel the fish in. And this happened within like five seconds, you know, very fast things are happening. And I'm shimmying over across my back deck. And that is when I put that hook through my knee. And that has been the most painful fishing experience for me uh, is when I put my full weight down to go and grab that down rod and set that hook. And when I did it, I put that hook through my knee. And uh, we ended up getting them fish um and i have a bait attached to me and i and so i i I cut the hook and um there's a little bit you know left in there and we take care of the fish then i start taking care of my knee and this thing like swells up immediately and how the hook went in it kind of hit uh the patella which is your kneecap and there's a little tendon there. And if you're in a sitting position, some of them are a bit uh, like prominent uh, on the, uh, on the inside of the kneecap. I hit that part of the bone and it like ricocheted out and uh, was sticking out the other side. And I thought, you know, maybe I, it, it swelled up so fast. I thought I chipped, uh, chipped the bone, the hairline fracture there. And maybe I went right into like my MCL or something. It was like, crazy we continued to fish um but i was in like so much pain i could i I felt like i had a peg leg i'd like swing this thing along um yeah something like that uh the entire time and it it, and it hurt horribly uh throughout the night and into the next morning i recovered pretty fast but i thought you know i thought i was in uh you know, I thought I was going to have to be out for a little bit of time um, because of the placement of where that hook went. And I thought I was going to be like, man, I, I can't do these charters these next couple of weeks. I'm screwed. You know, what if this happens? I, I'm, I'll elevate it and ice it and heat it and see what happens in the morning. It wasn't looking good. It, like I said, it was like the size of a softball uh, down there. It almost looked like a baby's leg where it was just like, like layers of, of like, fat i had just like this big ball on my on in the middle of my leg there um and that was a huge miss so when i'm clearing rods uh i make sure that those baits are off the back casting deck 100 percent uh when you have to throw one down on the floor there um and that was a huge mishap and a painful one that i will never forget lessons learned Lessons yes. Learned. Yes. Let's hear it, Todd. It's a good one. Okay, I'm going to stick to the. Uh, I have a whole bunch here, but we talked earlier. We're not going to do much with the. Uh, it's going to be our own personal mishaps. So I have a whole bunch of client mishaps, but so let's go to this one. I mean, this is a hunting one for me too. This goes back to I don't know. We're probably going to go back five years, six years, and uh, 
as everybody knows, my, my favorite hunting is I love going spring turkey hunting. And, uh, you know, I was hunting a certain area I, in Pennsylvania. Now you're allowed to get two birds. Got one, one of the first day or two of the season. And then I hunted some other areas, but I went back down to, I call it my grandpa's place. It's part of a big, huge state park here. It, the property borders there. And uh, even early in the season, there was this one bird. I never saw him, but just would, I mean, every morning, by the t- when I would get out of the car, he would just be gobbling, gobbling, gobbling his head off. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was just insane. The thing would gobble three, 400 times every morning. He would gobble, he'd come off the roost, didn't hear him after that, you know, and he was right hanging right near where I park. So I believe I had seen this turkey because there was this turkey out in the field where I park with hens numerous times during this first couple of weeks of the season. I, he would just be out there strutting around doing his thing. And uh, I went after him probably five times in his first two weeks, five or six times. Got in, got set up, you know, tried not calling, tried calling light, tried all the different things to get this turkey. Couldn't get him. So there were mornings when I would be walking in and he'd be gobbling like up oh, there's old gobblehead. And I'd just walk right past him because it was like, I can't, I'm going to go after this other one that's out the hill further because I, I keep wasting time trying to get this turkey. And uh, probably the middle of maybe the third week of the season, I really wasn't hunting that much of the time, but I was like, okay, I get, I get the, I get down there, get out of the car. Boom. As soon as I shut the door instantly, he's just gobbling, gobble, 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 gobble one after another. But I have to walk really close to where he is to get over to where I want to go. I mean, it's rugged country there. You don't just go up and down. It's uh sort of a little bit sort of like you guys are hunting down there in Kentucky and stuff. So, and something made me, <clears throat> I got up near where he was gobbling and he was up on top of a ridge, little just the, like one little hundred yards away from where he normally was. And uh, I didn't hear any other turkeys out the hill that morning. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, what the heck? I, there, there's, I don't hear anything else gobbling. I'm going to give this guy a shot. Sat down, waited. Daylight broke. He was still gobbling. Didn't call or anything. He hit the ground. I heard him fly out of the tree. I was close enough that I saw him. I saw him fly out of the tree. As soon as he flew out, I made a call. Instantly gobbled. First time this has happened. And uh, I, I mean, I think I got the perfect setup. I'm sitting there, looking up. Boom, there he is, right on top of the ridge, standing there looking at me, looking for this call, you know. So I make another call. He starts strutting around, going around a circle. He stays up there for like 10 minutes. He's probably 100 yards away at this point, 7,500 yards away. Too far to shoot. But, uh, yeah, and he started walking down, walking down the hill. And uh, I'm all set up. Now, I'd been in a sort of an uncomfortable position for a while because he could see me this whole time. And I hadn't moved or anything. And uh, he came right down to where I thought I had him. He was a beautiful, big turkey. You guys don't turkey hunt. So you don't probably get the excitement. I know that there's three sizes. There's three sizes of turkeys. Yeah. Yeah. But continue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is the this is the extra yeah extra long yeah. beard he's a be- i mean he's just giant and he's standing there and you know i always pick a point i was like okay right there that tree's about 
40 yards. You know, as soon as he gets there, we'll see how back then I can take him there if I want to. He's 40, 45 yards, but I'd rather get him in just a little closer, you know, 35, 40. So I know I just blast him, you know, and, uh, finally it's time, you know, the guns on him, everything. And I squeeze off the trigger and that Turkey took off flying about as fast as he could just two hops and he was boom, sailed across. I mean, I totally blew the shot. I still don't know what happened to this day. Uh, I haven't, I mean, it's not that I haven't ever missed a Turkey, but it's not often you do if you can keep your wits about you and don't shoot when they're out of range. And, uh, you know, I stepped it off. It was like when I shot, he was at about 40 yards. You know, I should have got him nine ninety nine out of a hundred times. And that's what it was. It was at 99 of a hundred. I just didn't, uh, didn't make the shot, you know, after getting all the turkeys that I've got, I was, I was shook. And, uh, were, were you I, shook you know, because of the outcome or were you just because of that? I turkey? was really, really shook. When, when, when after the outcome, I mean, I was shook. I can still, I'll be shook forever. I mean, it's just, I know it's, it sounds weird missing a turkey, but uh, yeah, it, part of it was that turkey because of the personal vendetta and the time I put in to try to get him and why I, what happened, I don't know. I probably shot over his head. That's a pretty common thing. You just put it on their head and pull the trigger and, uh, I know it's it, my eyesight's not the same as as uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, I'm gonna put a scope on the gun. I even know I haven't yet, but I think that might help me out. But yeah, I just I missed him, missed him. That was a mishap for me. It was a big one. I can still picture it to this day. It sucks. Yeah, blew it. There's so many, but I mean that one that one sticks with you. We could. I mean, we probably all could have like a hundred mishaps and missed things. Oh yeah, in in a year, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yep. On uh, fishing, you know, but yep. some just stick harder than others. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so I've been writing some down as as I go. That these seem to be coming a little easier now. Um, <laughs> because man, I. Some of these ones, when I was thinking of it, I'm like, man, I don't think I should tell him this because I think people would be really down if I told this story the way it really happened. <laughs> but now some some more along the acceptable lines. Um, Todd, you might remember this day. So I'm going to first set it up. My old, my old 14-foot boat, the carpet mm-hmm. wore out on it, and I put new carpet in it. And I, I learned on that boat that it's not that hard to put new carpet in a boat. So then I got my Ranger and I think I had it for about a year and a half. And I said, this carpet's getting a little bit nasty. Uh, during our summer shutdown from work, I had bought new carpet and I stripped everything out of it, took the lids off the hatches and I recarpeted everything. I did this during my shutdown and I think this might have been 2013, 2014 range when I when I did this. And this involved me taking almost everything out of the boat. And then I put it all back together. And I didn't, this was when I had one very small child. 
So I wasn't like get up and go fishing a lot. So that's why I did it in the middle of summer during fishing season. Well, long story short, I get everything all put back together and I said, let's go fishing. So I had an afternoon where I could go fishing or a day to go fishing. And this, so I, I, I took, I took a local friend and me and him drove up and we launched the same time you did, Todd. You had the Lund at yes. the time and the mm-hmm. fish were, we came up to cast and that's when the, yeah. the fish were going pretty good in front of the camp. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the launch, you know, we launch the boat, you launch your boat and stuff. And I fire up the motor and you kind of get your clients and, and you head South and you just kind of take off. I'm like, Oh wow. Todd's Todd's feeling frisky. He dropped the hammer and I like put the boat in reverse and it, the motor shuts off. I'm like, what? And the guy I'm with, I mean, he's, he's, I'm going to be nice. He's not one to ask advice on motor issues. And I'm like, what the heck? So then I turn the key, it runs a little bit and then shuts back off. I'm like, this thing ran perfect the last time I had it out. And so I get back at the battery compartment. Now, on the 681, the three batteries were under the splash well in a fiberglass tray that can slide on the carpet. It's not like they're on roller bearings or anything. And it takes a lot of effort to move three batteries in a three-bank charger on a fiberglass dish on carpet. There's a lot of friction. So I undo it. I'm like, I got to figure out what's going on here. And I slide it out and Come to find out, I pinched my fuel line when I pushed the tray all the way back. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So I just, you know, I pick up the fuel line, push it all back in, which is not an easy thing, and pump up the primer bulb, and boom, she fires up, and she's good. All right. So we drive up to where we're going to start casting, and it was a windy day. And I have lost, I prior to this motor, the motor, the, the, the in the outboard motor is now working again. I fixed the problem on the fly. I'm Mr. MacGyver. I solved it. I'm a hero. Fishing, let's continue on. So big motor's running fine. Get to our spot. I drop the trolling motor. And you ever just get that feeling that something else is wrong? Well, oh yeah. I got oh, uh... I got the feeling that something else is wrong. I dropped the motor and I grabbed my little my little key fob thing, or as Todd calls it, a fupa, and yeah. I start mm-hmm. pushing the buttons, and the buttons aren't working. Like it, I'm like, well, hold on, this ain't this isn't good. And the Tarova that I had was a non iPilot Tarova, but I put an iPilot on it, so I didn't have like a fancy pedal that had all this other stuff. It was just like a, no, this was my power drive. I had the, oh crap, I'm getting mixed up here. Regardless, I can't remember that detail at this point, but my my key fob wouldn't work. And I got so used to putting it on autopilot and pointing it in a direction to go fishing. And now I'm like, I don't have my keypad to do this to let the computer drive the boat. So I start to try to diagnose this. I'm like, it must be the battery. 
I take out the battery and it's not like it's a double A or anything. It's some crazy watch battery. And I phone a favor. There's a local guy that lives there and I asked him, Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? This and that. It's not dire. He was more than willing to help. So I used up a favor to get this battery. So we quit fishing. We drove back to the dock. He met me at the dock. I put in the new battery. I say thank you. And I shove off and we go back. It still doesn't work. And I'm just like, man, I just phoned a favor. I bothered someone for probably an hour of their day. Used the favor too. Yeah. It and it and it's whatever. So in some high winds I was standing on the foot pedal, which I'm not used to. I know keep com- I'm complaining cuz I got all this great stuff and um it was just it was a <laughs> difficult day for me to go fishing when I had brand new carpet in the boat and I don't get to fish much and it's just like everything was stacked against me. We ended up catching no fish and I had like three major issues on the water and then I get back uh, whatever the day's done and it bothers me because I like to know that all my stuff is in working order and in this case it isn't all all day long I was reminded because I'm standing like a flamingo and then driving back it's on the back of my mind the next day I call up Minn Kota and they're running me through all these tests and he ends up having me switch some inputs there are two inputs on I believe I believe this is a Tarova that you can plug in the autopilot or the the iPilot I should say. And he says unplug it from this one and plug it into that one. I unplug it into that one and everything works. And he goes, "Yeah, we put two inputs on there in case one channel goes dead. It doesn't matter which one you're plugged into, but if something doesn't work, unplug it." switch it over to the other plug, which I think is on the other side of the circuit board. Um, everything was up and running with literally a screwdriver in 10 minutes. And that's something I learned is if your stuff isn't working, you might just need to change the plug input inside the motor, which is pretty basic. That was my blunderous day. I would still not know what to do. Yeah. I'd help you. Yeah. Surprised you couldn't figure that out with your multi-tool. I could have if I would have known that there were two inputs for the uh, signal. Yeah. So, anyways, that's one of oh, my... That's that's terrible. Well, my, uh, my number one is just grouped into so much. Uh, <laughs> so many bad memories. going to be. Yeah, it's so many bad memories. Um, oh, God. So many bad memories with this number one in the decade. My number one blunder was my dream boat at the time. It was a 20, uh, 21 foot essentially tiller. Um, I was so stoked tiller, and there was so much crap that was going on with it. Uh, that made me not <clears throat> made me have to get out of the boat. But so, just a quick backstory, everybody. If you remember, whatever, 150 podcasts ago, maybe maybe 175 at this point, we've done so many of these things. Um, I don't even know how many we have out, but I'm in a teller. I buy my first boat. Um, it's a 16 and a half foot 
competitor 165 aluminum craft loved it great boat i'm gonna start guiding now i need a bigger um i need a bigger boat you know um i'll never forget the day todd asked me to start guiding changed my life forever we were in cave run we we're like this lake sucks we always say that but um <laughs> and we were, we caught some fish but uh it was like i can't guide out of the 16 foot to i need some more deck space right so i i call around to uh to buy a boat and i'm not going back to uh the dealer that i bought my uh 16 footer out of because uh, you can also hear about those stories on podcasts long ago i'm not doing that they had no idea what the heck i was doing they mounted a depth finder in the middle of a casting platform um so i call the next best thing the big box store they have uh alumacraft so i was going to get an 18 foot tiller with this 90 horsepower merc on the back of it uh with this hydraulic steering system um which really would help me um i was really looking forward to that um because once you let go of the tiller handle it's not going to slide left or right it's going to hold position and give me a extra second to check a rod while I had other people on the boat. Um, so I ordered that boat, boom, put it in order. All of a sudden, Alumacraft comes out with this 205 um, competitor tiller. Literally within 24 hours, it hits the internet. And I was like, whoa, I have to have that one instead. Uh, that's, I'll, I'll kick myself. If this is like the last boat I'm going to buy, haha, uh-huh. that was not the case. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want I want this to be it, you know. If I'm going to drop this kind of money, I, I don't want to be kicking myself that I should have, could have, would have got the bigger one. Um, I'm talking to Alumacraft now. I talked to the dealer. I said, cancel that order. There's a bigger boat coming in. You know, I probably know about it before you do. I definitely did because this guy was nothing but a jerk-off used car salesman but uh, from Cabela's in Cheektowaga, New York. And... Um, sorry, uh, but I talked to Alumacraft, to the president of Alumacraft, the guy that owns the damn place. And I'm like, hey, I just put an order in for this uh, 18-footer. I want that 20-footer. Like, well, we just had it out. We had some testing. This thing runs. Oh, yeah, it's the best, blah, blah, blah. It made respectable men have been very important big men have been running it and testing it. We finally it in. men. Top men on the job. I'm like, okay, great. Well, send one of those things to Cabela's. Boom. I get it in. Little do I know that I'm the first person to have this boat. Ever. Uh, ever. Serial and, numbers uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is great. And you know, uh, I'm excited for it. I'm like, hey, it's the first one ever. Other people that own boats are probably like, hmm, that's a little dicey. You know, that that's, you know, you're buying this brand new model uh, of, you know, who knows? You, you know, good luck being the guinea pig. Well, I certainly was. Um, uh-huh. And that boat uh, took years off of my life. I mean, from the time I picked it up, um, that was when that's the where that cliche comes from. The day you buy it, 
in the day you sell it are your happiest days. That was the case with this, this boat for me. Um, I picked it up. I have this 200 horsepower Mercury Verado tiller, um, 20 foot boat with the unbelievable storage. It still had the best storage of any boat I've ever been on, uh, in that, in that model. Um, Unbelievable musty storage, you know, 10 foot rod lockers, nine foot rod lockers. The boat was great. I mean, yeah, it was great. The, it it, the, it was a great boat. The boat boat was unbelievable. The hull yeah. was unbelievable. It, it was, it was great. Uh, mm -hmm. There was great. negligence, negligence and setup. That's what happens yeah. to this thing. So yeah. I dropped huge negligence, giant lawsuit style, um, which, which came to fruition eventually, but, you know, I get the boat, uh, I drop it in, you know, I, I run into Todd and, and Todd's like, how, how's it going? I'm like, not good. Not good. Come, come and drive this thing. I'm driving it. And, the, you know, I'm expecting this power steering where essentially if you let go of that throttle, it stays, it holds. Right. Well, and essentially you could push this thing left and right. Like it was the most flushed, ran tiller you could ever imagine. That's how easy it went from left to right. Well, that's not how it's supposed to be. It was back there flapping in the breeze like crazy. And I'm holding on to 200 horsepower with, with my left uh, wrist, essentially. And uh, it was it was not good. It was not safe. Um, and uh, we eventually... I'm calling people, I'm calling the, the dealer. I'm like, Hey, this doesn't work. What the hell is going on? This is crazy. Uh, I'll bring it back. We'll run it and see what's going on. I take it back. I drive all the way up there, take it back. Oh, it's good. No, no, no. It's good. We ran it in the Buffalo Harbor where all the giants, <laughs> are. We ran them. you know, that's where they were. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I drop it again. Same exact thing. Absolutely terrible. Awful. Nothing is working. Um, and I'm ready to scream. So uh, take it over to Andy. Uh, I think that actually, we, like prior to prior to that, we we had it at camp. Yeah, we we, we we did it. We did it at the launch. You pulled it out of the launch. I said, "Advance the way this is sounding." Mm -hmm. Where like is no where, where's the hydraulic? Field yeah, for this thing's got to have a tank somewhere. And mm -hmm. we start looking around, we open it up, and I said, oh, right there, there's your hydraulic tank that puts the fluid so you can with turn a, with this a, motor and stuff. Yeah, yeah. With, a, with, a, with a fill line, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, and we fill take in. the cap off of it, and not mm -hmm. only was, the, the, I mean, the, the, there was like a piece of cellophane over the top. Mm -hmm. like, okay. And peeled that off, and it was like, there's no fluid in here. There is no way they took this thing on the Buffalo Harbor and yeah. drove it around. No one ever put hydraulic fluid in your whole steering. Mm -mm. <laughs> it was just beautiful plastic. Um, yeah. Very, very nice uh, pearl color. I'll, I'll yeah. never forget. Yeah. Um, so I, I called them back. I'm like, you know, you never did this. You know, you lied to me. What the heck is this? Oh, oh, oh you know, no. Well, our, our one mechanic, he, he's not Verado certified, and, and that's they start blaming it on the mechanic. You, when you carry Mercury Verados and you're selling them, 
you have to have your technicians certified to work on these turbocharged Mercs. Um, supercharged. That, you know, supercharged Mercs, excuse me. Um, and for good reason, you know. Uh, but Cabela's, they, they didn't have any. Uh, so no one knew what the hell was going on. <clears throat> I take it back up there. They put some fluid in it. Everything is still not working. I'm losing power left and right, dying on the water. Uh, this boat's a nightmare for me. Bells and <laughs> whistles going off every every time you're out. Every, everything. Oh, gosh. Carrying battery I, chargers, those jumper <laughs> boxes. Yes. Return to port, all that stuff. Um, I totally and, forgot about our cave run trip. You biting the, the towel. So yeah, so the buzzers so going off. Prior, prior now it's not. Go. It's good. We're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> prior prior to going, um, I take it to another dealer because I don't trust Cabela's at this point. You know, and we don't have have much time. We're going down to to fish tournament, and um, I find out they put a uh, regular. Uh, deep cycle battery in with synced up with this Verado. And that's why I was dying the whole time. It has to be an uh, absorbed glass mat battery that wasn't in this. However many hours, the whole break in period hours of fishing, whatever it was um, that ended up blowing up um, my alternator, I think. And that's when um, another uh, boat dealer did an alternator, put a new battery in it. We go down the cave run. It's still not working. That's when I bite this, uh, the, <laughs> the a, a hole, no, a hole through my sweatshirt, sweatshirt yeah. leading to a root canal. Um, <laughs> just so much crap happened to that. Uh, and... It also led to when I, I I was talking to Danny, like, I don't know what to do. You know, this kid wants to go out, but he's never caught him up. He's had really, really bad luck. And he's going out with me at like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. because he's catching a flight out of Buffalo at 10 a.m. Oh, yeah. And my boat completely dies. And I'm trying to jump the thing in the pitch black, fighting weeds and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm making sparks in the back because everything's whatever aluminum and fireworks are going off in the battery compartments. And, um, I dropped, I dropped him off. We, we had a fish on and we didn't land it. And that kid's bad streak, uh, kept going on as did mine. And, um, I'm sitting there at the dock and there's, there's other things that are wrong with this boat, but it was just, I had it for what, two years uh -huh. or, or a year and a half, two mm -hmm. years, I think two years. and a half years, something like that. I had it for two, two, two years or two and a half years, whatever it was. Cause yeah, I, I'd say half year because I got it. Um, late in August. Order. Yeah. Late, late in the season, whatever. No one's helping me at this point. I mean, we, I was on my back. Me and Andy had the motor off the dang thing. He's hanging it up, you know, 500 pound motor swinging around in his shop. I mean, stuff you just should not be doing to a brand new boat. Um, and I'm sitting there disheveled and uh, ready to take the anchor and jump in. Deepest hole in, in Chautauqua Lake. 
and this really bubbly Italian guy comes up to me. <clears throat> He's like, hey, what's going on, man? I'm Victor. I'm like, hey, Victor, I heard a lot about you. A lot of people tell me I should come to your place. He's like, you know, my boat is completely screwed. And Victor and Tommy get in my boat. And they're fishing a bass tournament that they're putting on. It's big money. They're Bass X Series Championship where they, like, give away a boat and then whoever wins a, you know, $50,000, $60,000 Ranger at the end of it. And they stop it. They stop all their, their tournament stuff, and they're looking at this stuff, and they're diagnosing these problems. They're like, yeah, this is completely wrong, stupid, blah, blah, blah. And uh, bring it up to the shop. We'll have you running uh, so you can finish your guide season. And uh, they do that. They set it up correctly, and it never had a mishap after that. Um, and uh, after that season, I sold the boat, um, and I've never heard back from the people the boat sold in like <laughs> 21 days to the Amish that might be part of the reason that I said <laughs> they don't have a boat <laughs> <laughs> but it was perfect because I was like yeah man this thing runs it's this gone this bye fits bye. the family of 12 it's, fine <laughs> don't call me I'll call you <laughs> like and I'm, and I'm thinking I'm like hey you know if this motor goes out like they're not even supposed to use it so i mean this is a win-win for me they're just uh, gonna put but, oars in it <laughs> row it like a viking but, ship uh, i mean that that boat was uh the eye opener for me that uh just made me be extra careful in choosing boats and that's that's what led us to vix that's what started the relationship so this horrible down and out moments you would have on the water with this boat and you can go through all of them. There was like freaking four months of me just griping on this podcast about it. And I was the brunt of everybody's joke made for good shows. But I mean, in all reality, I was stressing like mad about it. You know, I got, you know, I'm Todd's partner in the, in the business and he's booking trips for me. And then, you know, in the back of my, his mind, I'm, uh, you know, I'm like, this guy can't trust me. This, this piece of shit isn't gonna run. You, you know, got, you got you had, to get towed, <laughs> you had to get towed in from a guy that worked. He was he was like a he's like a the guy fly used to fly in to fish with us. Do you remember him? Uh, he, he, worked, I he was he was like part of designing Mercury Motors. The, the guy had like his own jet. Yes, I re I remember that. And he and it was he was bucket listing a muskie. I remember that. Yes. Yes. And he came up, and you know he hasn't called back. No, nah, it, uh, it was it was it was <laughs> it was one of those one. We got towed in. Mm -hmm. It was one of those yep. one. And done I had taken so. him out the year before. Yeah, yeah. And he he caught he caught he, they ended up catching three. They got, yep, they got they got three on swimmers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, over on that that little corner that was uh, that was hot for a minute on the. Uh, west side of the lake that point there mm -hmm. very close oh, to the uh, ramp you had to stay uh, close <laughs> well i was yeah i was very close to the ramp it was it was like right south of where you caught your your uh, 44 pounder yeah like right yeah. there but uh yeah. yes i did stay close to the ramp yeah. um <laughs> you know you're talking tr getting in on uh on electric getting in on the 112 pound thrust uh three mile an hour trolling motor 
slow trolling in the middle of the summer. Uh, all those things happen. Absolutely devastating for me. And, uh, but that led to essentially where we are with our boats and Ranger um, and Vic Sports Center now. So something that was so negative and uh, just taxing on me led to uh, bigger and better things for the company in the long run. And, uh, and it led to me believing in a kicker. Um, and I say it all the time. That's why we go, go to Vix. They're busy people. They do a lot of volume, but it is so important when a fisherman sets up a boat rather than just <clears throat> people that are selling them, you know, it is so important to talk to somebody sure. who's a fish, a fisherman. And, and uh, that was, I, I still think, think about that damn thing. And, you know, well, I'll say that boat, I know how much it was, I mean, how much of a problem everything was, but, uh, we sure did have some fun podcasts with that. Oh yeah. I mean, lots of, lots of sweat equity in it. And, <laughs> um, so just one more thing before we close on that. Remember the beat, the distinct noise that the smart craft made that mm -hmm. syncs up to your Mercury motor? Mm -hmm. I heard that thing so many times. <laughs> on this new Ranger that synced up with a uh, 250 Pro XS Mark, I mm -hmm. opted not to get that, that smart craft because I'm scarred for life yeah. with that yeah. sound. You don't want to hear that noise, yeah. <laughs> I did not want to hear it. <laughs> it was the, is that yeah. boat. great, great haul. I love that boat. Anybody that has a 205, huge space, loved it. Negligence and setup soured me for life. Yeah. Nice to pitch out of. Oh, it was super fun. We had a, all that. We had, a, we had great times casting out of that boat. Yep. Yep. So much fun. I want to add on to that real quick. Some of the stuff that you forgot. Actually, I'm just going to say one of them. <laughs> no, just to remind me. I love, I love thinking about all that stuff. Okay, when when you had the boat at our shop, I forget what we were doing, but you left it there overnight, and I came in the next day, and I'm like, that's weird. And I called you up. I said, Vance, does, is there normally a puddle of motor oil underneath your brand-new motor? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Oh, my God, they put too much oil in. I checked yeah. the dipstick, and where it should have been, like, you know, you pull out a dipstick on any car, it might be several inches before, like, a, two holes in the dipstick or maybe hash marks on it. This was filled to the very bottom of the hole where you jammed the dipstick. It was inches over what it should have been. It was probably oil mixed with hydraulic fluid, too. That's probably it's where probably they put the hydraulic fluid. They put the hydraulic fluid in the same thing, yeah. Well, there's yeah. a hole here. <laughs> they, they they really set it up like you you could have a twelve year old. What's the Jerry rig? Like fill some... it with oil. Okay, fill it with oil. Yeah. Now add the hydraulic oil. Okay, it would be like if I set up a boat, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like just from scratch, like <laughs> hey, hey, positive negative. We'll have you put just the stickers on the boat. <laughs> just deck a thing in. That's good. Put a put that that you know from the battery all. Uh, Gosh, that was just crazy. I yeah. I was just uh, dealt a very bad hand. The other thing, and I don't know if you're even going to remember this, 
But I was telling you at that time when you were looking at upgrading your boat to take a look at a, a 618T or a 620T Ranger. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I was pushing you hard for that, and I actually, like, our conversation went, well, you get me a price, and then we'll go from there. I actually called up Vix and got a quote for you, a ballpark mm-hmm. quote on it, and I gave it to you, and the direction still went a different way. But I just wanted to at least mm-hmm. make note that everyone knows that I tried to, I was trying to That's get what... you on Vix before Vix was cool. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for spending my money for me. But um, <laughs> I would have saved you, you do, a lot of money. You you do that you do that enough. Yes, but uh, that's <laughs> yes. that's that's there, there's a huge difference when you take that jump from aluminum to fiberglass. There's this like buffer in between there, and it's always that dollar sign. You think it's going to be astronomical, but between like there's so much more boat in this twenty footer than an 18 foot tiller and i can't justify having 10 foot rod lockers and only uh an eight footer in this 18 foot one i can't justify that in my head right now i'm getting so much more boat for a lesser price than this one this Mm -hmm. fiberglass Mm -hmm. model what if i say you'd have two less dental trips and five thousand less miles on your truck i'm saying that that's that's that was your thinking, yeah. That's my thinking, and I believe that that's a lot yeah. of people's thinking when yeah. it comes down to these boats. But once you get into them, I'm like, I un- I completely understand now. We'll never go back to yeah. to that. An, an 18 foot uh, glass boat rides better than a 21 foot um, aluminum boat. Mm-hmm. There's there's no. I've been in been in both of them. I mean, it's bar none. And, and for, for, for some reason, as the time is going on here, there, there's there's that gap between the two is shrinking significantly. It is. You know, back in 2002 or one, when I bought my Lund, you looked at the Lund, the 18 fishermen, you looked at like an 18 or 2080, or I, I don't know what the anchor is. What was what it called? Six. Or six 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 eighteen or six twenty mm-hmm. fishermen or whatever they had those back then, and mm-hmm. the the price difference was a lot between you know deciding between those two boats, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like not double but <laughs> not very far off a of double. You know, part of it is your motor. You know, uh, you, you you could have put a you know, you could put a 125 or a 150 on that boat and still get 35, 40 miles an hour where when you went to the glass, when you had to go to the, you know, the higher end there. But, yeah, the, 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 the difference has shrunk significantly. Aluminum boats are very expensive right now. <laughs> they are. I mean, and, and you see that. I guess there's some tariff on aluminum. And we've yeah. seen it uh like a couple of years ago, I think like mm-hmm. three, four years ago, when you went to the to a boat show and you were like, I just stepped into a hundred thousand dollar line. I was like, yeah. really? That's mm-hmm. insanity. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, for a for a tin boat. And then uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're so close, you know, they're so close. Yeah. And they've uh, in uh fiberglass has, has paid attention to this and I think has capitalized on yep. uh what's going on in these models because they have made economy uh boats uh that are 
the same amount of money uh, mm-hmm. as as the tin dub. And mm-hmm. even even in Rangers lineup, their nineteen uh, foot versus like angler style and their nineteen foot uh, ang- angler fiberglass, the the tin one was more. Mm-hmm. It it was more by like a couple hundred bucks, and you're just like, man, that's a no brainer for me now. You know, I, you, I would go glass all the time. There's, you know, everything has its pros and cons, but it's glass all the time, every single time for me. I mean, you, it's we always say there's no perfect boat, but like I said, if in that, if you're tossing it up in, in your head here, and, and people message us about buying boats and stuff all the time and uh you know it's it's generally like you some people pay attention and take the advice other people will take uh the advice will will act like the 2016 version of myself where obviously everybody has different finance uh issues and in uh or in different you know different brackets of of, of taxes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but um if you can hold out you know and just save up a couple for another year or whatever it is to get that boat you're going to be a lot happier um if if you get the glass one but that's that's just that's my opinion and opinion based on the hard times on the water Mishaps. 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 All right, Todd. Let's hear your last one. Okay, yeah, my last one. I, I mean, this one does come back to guiding a little bit, and uh, but it was a mishap for me because of what what ended up happening to me. Uh, man, we're probably going to go back to 2010, right at the beginning of the last decade there, and uh, fishing with some guys. I think they did two days. They were not interested in doing any trolling, so we were casting away, casting, you know, they'd caught a few fish. We were seeing a lot of fish. It was early season. They weren't getting a lot of action as far as the hits, you know, but we were working at it. And we'd got a couple on jerk baits and stuff. And uh it was getting down to the end of the end of the second day. And uh the guy was uh, you know, he's standing up in the front of the boat, other guys casting in the back of the boat. And uh, I'm sort of turned sideways, uh, watching as they're casting, and we're drifting down along this weed edge and uh, talking to the fella in the back of the boat. And, I mean, it, I, I didn't even – I honestly, I didn't really know what happened. I feel a thud on my head. I kind of duck oh my. I kind of duck down, like when it hits – and I honestly could see stars, like you know how you see the little twinkles of light. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like three o'clock in the afternoon, and as you know, what as I when it what what whatever hit me, thumped me on the on the uh, in this in the side of the head, and I ducked a little bit, and uh, you know, then I quickly realized as I tried to turn my head, I had a uh, a Leo jerkbait with two two of them two two of the hooks on the back hook. It was the six inch jerkbait, so it has two six aughts on it. 
two of the hooks were in my shoulder. But as I, when I docked like that, when it hit me in the side of the head, there's two in my cheek on the front hook. And, you know, the guy comes jumping off the casting deck, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. What should I do? And I'm pinned. So, you know, this, I have two down by my shoulder, like the bottom Let's, of your shoulder where it starts hitting to, your bicep. To, to paint a picture kind of like you're trying to pinch a cell phone in between your shoulder and your Exactly. Ear. Yes. And that's what happened. Like when it, when the thing hit, I sort of ducked like that. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm, I'm talking to the guy. I can't really see it because you're like, just like you said, there's a cell phone there and I'm looking down <laughs> I can see like the two barbs of the, the, the one hook. I can see them very clearly because they're just below my eye. And I can see that the other ones are in my shoulder. And I see a little added T-shirt on. I see a little blood coming down out of the bottom of the T-shirt, you know, and, and he's like all freaked out. And so am I. And, you know, my initial thought was how these guys don't, I mean, how am I going to get my boat? Like the, the, I'm in a bad situation here. I, I've, every hook I've ever had in me, I've just taken them out in the boat one way or the other with a knife, push them through, blah, blah. I've never had something like this happen unless I couldn't see it. You know, I had them in the back of my head four where someone else just took them out. But, uh, you know, now I'm out in the middle of the lake. I got to get this boat back on the trailer. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? I, I got to drive. Are you going to hop to the off? Hospital. I don't even know how no. I'm going to, you know, I'm like, well, unhook the snap first, you know, and I'm like stuck in this awkward position. And, you know, he's, he's looking and I'm looking at him and I can, I reach up and I feel my face. I feel a little trickle of blood coming down my, uh, my cheek there. And it's like, okay, you got to get these ones out of, you got to get this out of my face first. Because I can't do anything right now. So we got to cut the hooks. The shank, you know, just cut the shank of the hook. Now, I can't, I would, you know, when something like that has happened to me, I don't know. Do you guys feel like if it fits in you and you're like, okay, I'll just do this. And if it hurts real bad, I'll stop. You can't, if you're not the one with the pliers in your hand. It's tough mentally to hit that bear to break that barrier because I don't want you know it's painful. It. Well, okay, so you want to do it is what you're yeah, like, like like yeah because I I know it's like okay we're gonna cut this if it gets to the point I'm just like no we're not you know but if you tell somebody to cut it and they're wiggling it around you know uh, but I I can't do anything because I'm I'm stuck <laughs> in this extremely awkward position but i'm like okay somehow we got it so he cuts the, the one off he cuts the two shanks i said grab the big red bolt cutters there cut the shanks but cut them up you know right by the eye screw just cut them so he cuts those two so now i can at least straighten up and i'm 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 thinking like this is good this is i'm still at a real predicament here i'm going to go back and i gotta what am i gonna do gotta go drop the boat off and then drive to the hospital with these trebles hanging out of my shoulder and my face but uh so and of course i can't see it i say is there any way you can get those ones out of my face and he's like well the, there's one like a little wee bit past the barb and the other one's not through the barb i said okay so pull that and so he pulled he got the one out that wasn't through the barb and the other one was uh i, I keep a real sharp knife in the boat and he, he pulled down on it a little bit 
And I said, just like cut right where the, the barb goes, right behind the barb. He's like, it's right there. It's just barely in. And I mean, he honestly, he like touched that with the knife. Boom. Out of the face. Now I'm good shape. I just have a treble in my shoulder. You know, and, and wow. it's like th- you know, it's like three o'clock getting towards the end of the day and I look <laughs> over, but it's stuck through my shirt. So I really can't see it. So I lift my shirt up and look. And I'm like, yeah, those things are just straight. They're just straight in. So all the way to the shank on a six aught uh, must add, but they're, but they're both straight in, you know, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to turn those babies. You know, <laughs> there's no way there's nothing to turn. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, and so I'm sitting, I mean, it, it really wasn't hurting that bad. And, uh, I was like, go ahead, fish a little bit till I figure out what we want to do. You know, the, the guy jumps up and give him a new bait. He takes like maybe one cast and he's like, I'm really having a hard time fishing with that. I was going to say like, with that piercing sticking out <laughs> of your shoulder. I'm like, well, you just got an hour or two. I mean, I, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I really don't know what to do. I've always taken them out, but I can't really get that out because I can't, I can't get at it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but we ended up doing the same thing. We, then we cut like right at the turn, like we're as close to the main shank that I could get. So there was still some sticking out. Anybody who ever gets hooked, never cut. I, it's happened to numerous people. I know they've cut like too close to the skin. Mm-hmm. And you have and no. then, yes. And the, the one fellow I know was up in Canada. They cut it. It swelled a little. It was gone. You know, it goes buried in there. Now you have to get almost like surgically remove the thing, you know? So well, that, you, you, that's what happened to me with, when I got it in my, in your thumb, my thumb with my, yep. my dad. Yes. I was like, because I was still connected to the fish at this yeah. point. And yeah. I'm like, cut this off, cut this off, cut it right there. And boom, he cut it like right at my thumb. And I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. And it went in. Yeah. Yeah. You want to keep as much sticking out. But anyhow, long story short, the guy was like, he, he was a policeman, but he used to work EMT or what do they call it? EMS? Yeah. EMS. Yeah. EMS. EMT, EMS. EMT. Yes. He was a medic. So he's looking and, and, and he's, I was like, well, I don't want to go to the hospital. You put it in there, you take it out. And, uh, you put it in, you take it out. That's yeah. That's the, <laughs> yeah. uh, that is, uh, <laughs> on the website under the bio bylaws. Yeah. Yeah. You put it in, you get it out. I'm good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So we, we grabbed it. We did the same thing. We like pull, cause I couldn't turn. I grabbed it at one point when we put them in and I grabbed and I was like, okay, let's see about pushing this through. But you take the size of that six shot. Like it was in deep in the muscle. And it was like, when I went to turn it, it was like hitting stuff. That was, there was no way I was going to turn that thing around in mm-hmm. my shoulder. And, uh, he just, he pulled out on it. We took the knife, just cut one came up fairly easily. The second one was a little more of a, uh, on the water, uh, surgery and, you know, once I dealt with my wife telling her what happened, she was so she's a she works in the out. medical field and freaked out that I was going to get tetanus or something. But I keep that updated. But, yeah, we got them out. Ended up being not as big of a deal as it was when it first happened. But that was the, probably the biggest mishap that mm-hmm. I've had. And that's why we uh, that's that's one of the most careful while casting. Yeah, that's one of the most horrific hook stories I've ever heard. 
and, and, and without I always, it going into the eyeball or something, you know, which I've seen yeah, those that's, on that's, the computer. That's a terrible looking that's, God. That's terrible. But to get pinned by all those hooks, face, shoulder, that's uh, that's yeah. a rough one. And, and to be able to get out uh, of it on the water is, is uh, pretty impressive. But, you know, imagine the client. Yeah. You know, I, that, I saw I mean, him at a, uh, he came, he came to me, that happened about 2010. I don't know what year was the first year we did the, the, the Butler fishing show, Andy, that was about 12. Yeah. Somewhere around in there. Yeah. That, that was about where it was. And he came walking up, he started talking to me and I recognized him, recognized his voice, didn't get it. Talked to him a while. He was talking about coming doing a trip. And he's like, I fished with you up at Chautauqua a couple of years ago. And, it, and, that, and I was like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I know who you are. How do you like trolling? You're the policeman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. I said, don't worry. I got a helmet. <laughs> did he find humor in that? <laughs> he did. I think he did. He, they never called. He never came back. <laughs> Probably. I mean, that's why. That, uh, I mean, it's it's scarring for him too. But I mean, he probably yeah. talks about you know, hey, do you remember that time? Yeah. Story to the grave. That's what we produce at Muddy Creek. Yeah. Just yeah. memories, lifetime memories, all the time. Thirty-five inches and <laughs> small ones only. Yeah. Oh man, no. that makes me sick. Yeah. But I'm I'm telling you, I know that you do not like that bimini. Uh, and it has its pros and cons. One of the biggest pros, and you know, me and you could go out there with my bimini top up casting, mm-hmm. and we'd be fine. We understand how to, to work a fish. Yes, it's yeah. difficult at points with when people hook on them. They're like, uh, I got this fish here, and you're like, okay, find it over here. You know, generally with a walkthrough, you can, if you're an angler, you can hop down through that walkthrough and run around with that fish. But the biggest perk with a bimini. You can't you can't jump that walk through. Yeah. Um, but the biggest perk of it is I can hide under that thing, and I feel yep. so much safer when people mm-hmm. are flinging those things all over the place. Yep. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. What what happened was you know we'd casted those two days, and he didn't. He took he took a cast, and I didn't have him like casting overhead. You know, I have guys mostly doing like an underhand Underhead. throw, but he did not. He either pressed the button and like engaged it on the cast or he forgot or he didn't get the button pressed. Isn't that one of the most? Because it just swung around. Bam. Full force. Isn't that one of the most horrifying sounds though? Oh, yeah. When you hear the button. Engage. Engage (laughs) on on the back, on the back cast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to cast now. It's past my shoulder. Click. Then release. That is one of the most horrifying sounds Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. of the smart craft telling me to return to port. Um, That is makes me cringe so much. Oh yeah, (laughs) like freaks me out. I got a sound too that freaks me out. If it's midsummer and my phone goes off and it's and the caller ID says Vance or Todd. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> during during any daylight hours during daylight you know, hours 
we are still on the water. And I have something to. Is I have to look to the northeast to see if there's a flare going up. <laughs> I'm not saying. Hey, what's up, Andy? Yeah. How, how's your day? How's your day? Because it's going to get a lot worse. <laughs> We're just going to have to like put up a bat symbol or something like that, man, to call call you out to the Muddy Creek logo. The Muddy Creek logos in the sky. Come quick. So, all right. What's your, what's your number one mishap besides uh, me and Todd always asking you for things? Okay, so this one's the first one I'm going to say is a joke is saying that we're not going to go two hours. Let's cut it down to three because we're at two hours yeah. and eight minutes. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to continue this. It's it's too much fun. It's too much fun, and I'm mine are not in any kind of countdown order. It's just oh. as I'm thinking of them, and I'm trying not to repeat too many of what's already been done because I could do a boat debacle. I could do a hook in the hand. Hook in your hand. I could yes. do that one. Remember I got that, that one on film. Um, it was on the site for a while. It was. Um, you could do introducing Vance to hunting and killing potential bucks this year that would have been booners. Yes, they every single one of them I did a DNA test on, and they would all have been giants by now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with something that I mean everyone it everyone hates it when they lose a fish, and they hate it more when they lose a big fish. But. I legitimately, and I really don't like this word used. I don't like the meaning of this word because, okay, in the con- in the in the context, we can do a whole whole podcast on words that Andy hates. Andy no. does not like them. <clears throat> I, I want to. Okay, I'm trying to like not stumble on words. In the context that this is used, I don't I don't particularly like this because I think it paints a a more extreme picture of musky fishing, but I, the, it's the word like hunter or hunted or hunting. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. That's a magazine, but mm-hmm. the, the, it's just, I, I that think we it, write for. yes. The one that you guys have articles <laughs> in that, um, regardless anyways. So <laughs> I legitimately back, I think in like 2010 or 2011, had a, for my little drainage, a legitimate big fish pinned down all summer long. And it wasn't like I saw it once and lost it. It was almost like clockwork. If I came to this weed bed, I would find it. And I, memories, the, the, the details are fading in my head. I had this fish in the same, I'm going to say, 30-yard long weed bed. And and I know this is the same fish. At least I think it is. Because Mm -hmm. of one, its size, and it had a very specific trait that it would do while trying to attack the bait or when it was hooked. And it was the fish that that I deemed Jumpin' Jimmy. Yes. This fish would skyrocket straight up out of the water. It missed my bait several times doing this throughout the summer, and he came unpinned, if memory serves me, two times. And if I would have had the old fast St. Clair fast draw net guy, 
I would have had it the second time, but I didn't. And this it's fish man's fault. Nah, I'm not going to blame anybody, but the crazy thing <laughs> was it was like we would time. Like I put effort into this one fish. We were timing moon phases and timing moon rises and weather patterns oh, yeah. and all summer long. It was a great, it was a, that's a great fish. That's a great fish. And it, especially great for where you're fishing. I mean, that little strain. I, yeah. I mean. and, and it was all summer. I mean, and we had him all the way till when the weeds were dying and that, and that bed, that, that weed bed was, was just deteriorating. But I think it was like the second to the last trip. This was prior. I, I was making baits at the time, but I didn't yep. have any real baits like out there. And I had cedar baits that I made that were could be for another podcast that we could call not mishaps, but utter failures. Um, but I had this <laughs> one on a six inch curly Sue. It was a white body with an orange tail. It was a bulldog style bait for those who, who aren't familiar with it. Uh-huh. And pretty much the only bait that I could catch fish on that had that big curly tail on the back. And I, you could deem it big rubber, but it wasn't big by any means. And is I just, before, this is before swimmers. This was right when swimmers were sucking. When you were starting. Okay. <laughs> when swimmers were mm-hmm. sucking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're sucking yeah I, I i stumbled so many times trying to get those things to work until you pass the torch to me and i mean yes six months ago yeah yeah six yeah <laughs> in the last it's six months long. we, we it, it took me it's nine years nice. to find vance before it's we finally eight. perfected it hey have I you wore off that it. super glue on your fingers yet I never get any credit. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You give give them the biggest fish ever caught on an AZ bait. Let's go. <laughs> All right, go. So, you know, I was dabbling with that stuff, and yeah, because yeah, this was. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, I was just, and I just call these weeds. This weed bed I'm going to describe. It was. It came off the edge of the shore. I'm going to say 10 to 15 yards. The deepest was maybe four foot ish gravelly bottom. And it was, it, it, it's wavy weeds. It was almost like kelp. And, but it was these bunches of these weeds. They'd come up to the surface and they'd be on the surface for whatever, three, four feet. And there were just all these clumps and they were just in the current. They were waving slowly back and forth. And I could, you could cast them in pockets and you could use the rod tip to steer them through these channels that they made because all the weeds have to go in one direction with the flow. And I'm just, you know, I'm twitching it and popping it. And this weed bed had given me a couple muskies that year, you know, some decent pike. I mean, we saw walleye and we saw giant carp. It was, it was a great spot when the weeds grow. And, you know, the, one of the last times when I'm like, yeah, it's starting to where stuff's going to die and, you know, I'm popping this and that, and then just like white Mao comes up, bait gone. I set the hook, head shakes, getting it. You know, it takes a run through the weeds, get it, turn it around, get it to the boat. The net's not ready yet, and it's this there slow motion head shaking, and then bloop, rod goes straight. 
and there goes that's, Jumping Jimmy. The one of the times he did not jump when I had him on. Sick. But I mean, was was it him the whole time? I don't know. I don't. He ended up being. We did catch him the following summer in August. Um, probably a legitimate half to three quarters of a mile away from that spot because the only trait that I can go off of is the fact that it did giant dolphin jumps and mm-hmm. violent head shakes. And I don't know how many upper forties there are that do that in that stretch of river. I don't know how many upper forties there are in that river, let alone right. ones that have the traits that they like to jump. Yeah. Cause and then when you caught him, he was blind because this, because you blinded him with your Susie sucker swimmers, probably whatever. No, this was All when we sorts. caught him. So, we we had that opportunity that that year came and went. Then we we actually were down fishing in his weed bed, and we were trolling back to the like up to another spot, mm-hmm. and we were trolling it on the board. This was a bait that I assembled, I painted, but I didn't make the blanks. And in fact, I assembled it incorrectly. When I do on the occasion find them, I think I bought like the last seventy five blanks of a Rizzo diver. They're mm-hmm. a jointed bait, and they have a metal lip, and I assembled the metal lip the wrong way on, mm-hmm. the, on the bait blank. From, For from, a reason. Well, no, because there was no pictures, no instructions. <laughs> but I made, I made several of these, and we were trolling it along, and you know the board dipped. I have it all on video, and yeah. the fish he almost, jumped in, he almost jumped on shore. He did. And I remember he was like walking across it was that like, water. He jumped twice. The first one yeah. and like the second one he tail walked. But mm-hmm. so another mishap I had was as we were setting up to troll, I looked at Tim and I'm like, hey, if the rod goes off, you get first fish. And he's like, okay. <laughs> well, five minutes later, the rod goes off and it was jumping Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> jumping Jimmy. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it's, a, it's a it's a team effort, you know. And but yeah. you got you finally got that fish. And, and just to clarify, that's the only time you landed it. You got him once, right? Only time that it actually, yeah, was there for a photo. Okay. And then, did you see him any times? Any time after that? Nope. Well, you killed it. I, I, Good job. T- I mean, to be honest with you, Vance, <laughs> I, I I would not doubt that that fish died after that. I mean. Well, I mean, good God, it, I mean, it puts so much, there's so much buildup and he's putting so much energy in that fight. He's jumping every time. So. Yeah. I, I mean, to be realistic, like that fish could have, who knows? It's a river. It, it could be in Minnesota right now for all we know. It could, mm-hmm. I mean, but it would not surprise me if that fish did not make it. It's just one of those well, things. Let's just say it did a legend amongst the group, uh, a legendary fish. Yes. Yeah, I'm that's not really the, neat. That's really neat when the fish comes up at both side vertical with a white mouth in a shallow water, in shallow water where it's almost as long as that shallow water. It's really neat to see the fish uh, act that way. It's yeah. it's abnormal behavior to me. Yeah. To just that thing. So many times that thing jumped and I'm just like, why, why expect? Why use that effort? That effort could have been used to, like, I don't know, better your aim. 
that are like, I'm here. Woo. And it just jumps up in yeah. the air. Amazing. He's playing. Has a, well, that, yeah, he was playing. Like I should have called it good time. Tommy instead of jumping Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. I like jumping Jimmy. That's it. That's another mishap that led to some type of success later down the line. But yep, God, well, we could we could do this forever. I, uh-huh. It's so easy to focus on on the negatives, and it's so easy to block them out. But when you start thinking about things, yeah, it all comes back, and we could literally do this for daily. the rest of this season. We could do it daily. <laughs> we could do. <laughs> Top top tens of, of 2019, 18, 17, yeah, 16, yeah, 15. Yeah, it yeah. just is. Uh, my God, I mean, there's so many days. I still, you know, in all the years, is you know, you have picture memories, relational memories of things um, in your brain that happen all the time. And one of my favorite uh, photos of picture memories that I'll take till for the rest of my life and my my fishing uh my fishing memories is is todd uh it wasn't on you know it wasn't a highlight for his day uh on the water it was his 50th birthday and i'll never forget the way that he looked when he was sitting in that chair and everybody was singing to him and celebrating <laughs> around him and he had a birthday hat on and he had just missed it they had lost it probably the biggest fish we were caught all season lengthwise um and I knew he was thinking about that, and he just looked so hilarious inside. <laughs> um, and I wish I had a picture of taking, taking a picture of that, but it's burned into my memory. I know it's a bad memory for you, but yeah, um, it, it was beautiful in the way that uh, some of these outdoor things just live with you and uh, stick with you until uh, you go to bed for a long time now. But that was... Uh, <laughs> just funny, funny stuff. It's stuff to laugh at. It is. And now that takes us to minute mark, well, two hours and 21 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> we, we bullshit. Whatever. We'll, we'll switch it up. We'll, sw- right. we'll switch it up and we might, we'll, we'll bring it back in the, in the off season here when, when, uh, yeah, topics are thin, and we're not on the water. Oh um, yeah, I got note cards everywhere. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right, perfect. So, big thanks to Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Saint Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vix Marine, Musky Max Plus, Muskies Inc., Fatty Z Musky Products, and the Oxit app, and Baker Lures. I think I got them all off the top of my head, not in the standard order. You got them all in a couple of days. Come uh, check out the Ohio Muskie Show. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do a seminar, um, another mishap. I did a whole presentation last night. The computer died, and I had to redo it. That's a mishap. So uh, I worked doubly as hard on this. So just come out and uh, check out that show. We'll be there. I'll have rod holders on hand. Uh, some swim baits that are perfected that actually work now uh, because I made them. And um, maybe book a trip. Perfect. All right. Thanks for listening.